Amen. Good looking fellow, right? Mm-hmm. There's one in every crowd. Well, Jesus is the source. He is the source. He is the source. By him and for him and through him. And in him all things are held together. And he provides for us all things that pertain to life and, and godliness through the knowledge of him. Okay, so, so it is by his divine power that he does these things. So we want to stay plugged into him. Jesus is the source. At the center of it all, that should be our focus, that we grow in him and know him and seek to know him, and that we should cling to that. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here today. I know the weather scared some away this morning, uh, this evening. For those of you who are part of our small groups, those are kicking back off tonight. We're expecting uh, to move forward with those if, however, your particular small group is in a, a neighborhood where the, the ice is, is not yet been cleared or whatever. Um, as part of that, they may contact you and tell you that your particular group is not meeting, but but uh, barring anything uh, major happening, we're expecting to move forward with our community groups tonight, and along with that, our, our kids' choir kickoff is tonight, and, and also kids' small groups' youth ministry tonight. Uh, the weather shouldn't stop us. It's supposed to be like 47 degrees today, and it was like 70 on Friday, and then we had tornadoes, and then we had a snowstorm, and now it's back up to 50 tomorrow. I think it's supposed to be back up to 60, so... Uh, we're, well, this is weather now. So um, I did mention last week uh, something that we've just been testing with over the last uh, really six months here at Praise Assembly uh, is um, having a Greene County deputy on site. Uh, I noticed that there were less of us in attendance this week from last week, and uh, they found out there were going to be deputies here, and I'm kind of surprised the Carlsons showed up at all. Um, <laughs> But they made it anyways. Uh, uh, but really, truly, the only there's not like some big reason for that. There's not. Um, we we it's not in response to anything that has happened or anything we're expecting to happen. But just as we seek to be faithful and continuing to minister as God has called us to minister here, right where He has put us, uh, we also want to make sure that we are being duly diligent right, and providing a safe environment here to hear about Jesus Christ, to talk about these things, to worship God, and to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so as part of that, uh, in 2020 and kind of moving forward, we're going to have a Greene County deputy on site during uh, uh, our services. And so that's just something that, that we're just going to move forward with. I will say last week, I did mention last week that on occasion I have been known to uh, gently exceed the speed limit. And right after I said that, I realized how many of my sermon illustrations are admissible in the court of law. So, uh, got to be careful for that, uh, but we'll figure that out as we move forward. I do want to mention that uh, stop by and say thank you to our deputies today. It's Deputy uh, Weatherford, Captain Weatherford, who heads up this whole thing. Many churches here in Springfield will have a, a deputy on site during services, and so say thank you. Bring them food and cookies and cakes and whatever else you might bring. Introduce your kids to them. If you have uh, kids that are here with you, just, just 
this is a great opportunity, great opportunity to uh, uh, get our kids used to our law enforcement community and help them to know that, hey, listen, our law enforcement community is here for you. And so that comfort is hugely important. So take this opportunity to do that. Um, but I'm going to be mentioning that over the next few weeks as well for those who uh, were not able to make it this week and, and or uh, make it last week. Because last week we did kick off a new series called God in Us. And if you did miss it, because last week maybe getting back in after the holidays or um, uh, for some reason you missed that first week of this series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's so vitally important that we um, have a, our mind around uh, what this is talking about, what we're diving into as part of this, God in us. Um, and so if you miss any of the series, I encourage you to go back and listen to the message from what you, what you missed, because really what we're doing is we are just seeking to lay a really good, solid foundation here at Praise Assembly for what, what it should look like to be people of the Spirit, okay? The promise of God to us is that He comes and dwells in us by the power and presence of His Holy Spirit. And we want to talk about what that looks like. And, and we don't have time to go back over and preach at each series again. And it's one of those where each, each message will build upon the previous messages from the series. And so go back and listen to it online if you do miss it. For those who, I know there's many who are not here because of the weather, just mention to them uh, that, that they should go back and listen to today's message um, and, and, and keep up along with us. As we talk about the Holy Spirit, Many of us have different backgrounds. We have different experiences. We have different expectations of what that looks like. Last week I mentioned that there are people in this church. We have former Catholics and, and Lutherans and Presbyterians and Methodists and, and Baptists and Assemblies of God and Holiness and, and Oneness. And afterwards somebody came up to me and said, you missed mine. And I said, really? And they said, yeah, we were a part of the Mennonite church. I said, oh, I knew that. I knew that. So, I mean, wide range of experiences, wide range of backgrounds and expectations. And as we talk through the Holy Spirit, there's a remarkable amount of, across the board it seems, there's a remarkable amount of consistency when you talk about God the Father. The fact that he loves us, right? That he is slow to anger, abounding in love. You talk about that, and people in general across the board understand that, and there's a, a, a remarkable amount of consistency in regards to that. You talk about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and if it's a Bible-believing church, at the center of it is Jesus Christ on the cross. You get the grace of Jesus Christ. And there is a remarkable amount of consistency when you talk about the person and the ministries of God the Father and, and God the Son. But then when you get to the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, all of that consistency really splinters. And you get all kinds of, uh, uh, of doctrines and different understandings of who the Holy Spirit is and what he is like and how he moves among us and what he does and what his ministry is to us. And so for us, what we're seeking to do is we're seeking to step back and we're just looking at it. And I think there's some reasons for the inconsistency across the churches. The Holy Spirit is the least talked about member in Scripture of the Godhead. God the Father and God the Son are talked about way more than God the Holy Spirit. 
And so when, you, when you've got this uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, less of a focus in Scripture on, on the Holy Spirit, and then on top of that you have um, uh, different views and, and different doctrinal backgrounds, and then all of a sudden things just kind of go every which way. And so what we're seeking to do is we're just seeking to, from a place of instead of starting with a doctrinal position and trying to prove that with Scripture, what we're trying to do is really there's a question that's been running in my brain, and it's, uh, it's from Romans chapter 4, verse 3. It's from Galatians chapter 4, verse 30. In both of those spots, Paul says, he asks a question. And he says, okay, what does the Scripture say? And so that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to start with Scripture. Let's dive into Scripture and see what the Scripture has to say about the Holy Spirit. We're not going to try to prove anything. We'll just see where the Scripture takes us. And so that's what we have been doing. That's what we're going to continue to do today. It might be a little slower getting started, but it's important that we start at baseline. And so go back and listen to last week's message so you can get a handle on where we started, and we'll keep moving forward. This week I've been reading a lot about the Holy Spirit and Scripture. And as part of that, I, I just started reading all the way across to say, what are, what are the basics? What do we see here about the Holy Spirit? And I read the first time in Scripture where the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit, in that phrase, Holy Spirit, shows up in Scripture. First time you hear that phrase is not in Genesis. It's in Psalm 51, verse 11. Psalm 51, verse 11. David is there and he is crying out to God, really in repentance. There, it's right after he's failed miserably, committed adultery, with Bathsheba as part of that. In order to cover his sin, he has her husband murdered. Loses his son with her and now just cries out in repentance. As he's crying out in repentance, in Psalm 51, verse 11, he says, Cast me a knot away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Don't leave me. Don't let this be enough that you walk away from me, God. And I don't know about you, but I know that there have been multiple times where I've prayed that prayer or some kind of version of that prayer. Oh, God, don't give up on me yet. Don't walk away from me yet. That's what David prays. And I know that as we seek to know him and grow in him, as we seek to understand what he's like, that we'll have a better handle on how he moves in us. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to only look at three or four places, notice three or four things about the Holy Spirit this morning, and kind of show some of those basic things that we need to know about him. So if you would, grab your Bibles this morning. If you didn't bring one with you, there are some that are spread out throughout the seats, and, and once you reach over and grab one, if you would open it up to uh, Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, if you uh, have your phone, you can open it up to praise.fyi. You'll find all the different verses that we're going to be reading from today, along with an opportunity to take notes this morning. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, if you have one of the church Bibles, that'll be on page 575. In your Bible, I hope this page is getting a little worn. It is in mine. That's because we just came through a series 
where we read this almost every single week, and so my page is worn, and it's got a little tear on it. This is a great passage of Scripture that we read leading up to Christmas because it is a promise of who Jesus Christ would be, what he would be like, the Messiah coming. It's all about that, and as it's talking about Jesus, it talks about uh, what he would be like, what his character would be like, uh, what his ministry would look like, what the kingdom that he was bringing would look like. And as part of that, it talks also about how he would be empowered. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, here's what it says. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. One of those things that I don't know that many people understand about Jesus was that yes, he was fully God, but everything he did while he was here on earth was done through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? He very specifically decided that he would not be doing these things in his own power. So when he did miracles, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The counsel, the understanding, his knowledge of what people are thinking is all through the knowledge and the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did, he did in such a way that he understood or wanted us to understand that the same empowering that he had, we could have as well. Okay, that's hugely important for us to understand. But what's huge about this verse in particular is if you don't know it, this is probably one of the most descriptive verses about who the Holy Spirit is and what's he's, what he's like. If you go to Revelation Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 6, three times as John is standing in heaven or having a vision of heaven transported, he looks and he sees heaven. Three times there he refers to what he calls the seven spirits before the throne of God. Okay? Most likely what is being referred to is this verse right here. The Spirit of the Lord the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the sevenfold spirit of God. Okay? So when you see that in Revelation, you're like, what in the world is that talking about? This is the wholeness and the fullness of the Spirit of God, totalness of the Spirit of God. So as we talk about the Holy Spirit, don't think it's like a, a side of God or a shadow of God. It is, he is more than that, right? Like the, the Spirit of the Lord isn't some part of God. He in and of himself is full and total and complete. Okay, so when it talks about the Holy Spirit, don't think of it as, as, as if the Holy Spirit is somehow lesser or, or a revelation of he is fully God. And as we seek to know him, we can only know him as he reveals himself. We cannot fully know everything about the Holy Spirit. Okay? 
Just like we cannot wrap our minds around who God is. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 is really clear about this. It says there that there are some things that are hidden from us. Those things belong to God. But there are some things that have been revealed to us. And those things that have been revealed to us belong to us. So as we talk about the Holy Spirit, how he reveals himself to us belong to us. And so we want to look and we want to see how has he revealed to us himself, the spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and fear of the Lord. How has he revealed himself to us? And so I'm just going to look at like three or four scriptures here. I want to jump over to Romans chapter 8 verse 27. We're going to be jumping around a little bit because I just really want us to lay this really solid groundwork of the Holy Spirit and what he's like. Romans chapter 8 verse 27. I could read this whole chunk of scripture because it's all about the power of the Holy Spirit and how he works in us. But I'm just going to start in verse 28. Here's what it says about him. Uh, verse 27, sorry. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit has his own mind, and he has his own will. And not only that, just as it says in Scripture that Jesus intercedes for us, so does the Holy Spirit. And there are things that, even as he knows us and searches our hearts, he also searches the deep things of God. And so for that reason is a great intercessor. Right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, it says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit has his own mind and knows the very thoughts of God and our thoughts as well and our deepest thoughts of our hearts. And so then he intercedes for us according to the will of God. He has a mind. He has a mind. He also has emotions. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Here's what it says there. I'm just laying a solid groundwork of who the Holy Spirit is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Here's what it says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. Stephen told about, as he was getting ready to be murdered or martyred, to those who were about to kill him, he said, you have always resisted the Holy Spirit always. And he walks through the many ways that they had resisted the Holy Spirit of God. Peter talks to Ananias and says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You have tested the Holy Spirit, he says. All of these things are warnings. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, it actually talks about the fact that it is possible to uh, outrage the Holy Spirit. To cause the Holy Spirit outrage. Now these kind of things, when you read them, you're like, okay, come on. 
I do not have that kind of power over God, right? That I can cause him grief, emotional distress, that I can outrage him. But very clearly in Scripture, this may seem off to you to grieve the Holy Spirit, but I think that that is a part of understanding who God is and who he made us to be. Because again, we think that like emotional maturity or maturity is like emotional flatness. But that's not the case. Our emotions are God-given, and he gave them to us because he made us in his image. And so in the same way that you or I have feelings and emotions, God himself, the Holy Spirit, also has emotional responses to what we do. And this passage right here that we're reading from in Ephesians, you know what it is that, that grieves the Holy Spirit according to this? It's when we don't forgive those around us. When we allow bitterness to build up. When we get angry at one another between believers when there's struggling going on. That grieves the Holy Spirit. And I think our problem is we care Maybe too much about what other people think and feel about us, and not enough about what God thinks and feels about us. Boy, that's a totally different approach. We do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit, and he's grieved when there are wedges between believers. Care less about what you think of your, or feel about yourself, and more about what God feels about you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, one more verse here. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're getting close now. This is a passage talking about the spiritual gifts that he gives to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Here's what it says. All these, these gifts, are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So, he desires, he wills, he has a mind of his own, and he has desires for you, desires good things for you. He has emotional responses. He has his own mind. He feels. He desires. He wills. And we could go on and on. He creates. He recreates. He regenerates. He convicts. He convinces. He performs miracles, he raises the dead, he speaks, he teaches, he testifies. In Isaiah chapter 63, verse 10, it actually says that he fights, that he fights at times against men. Okay, you know what that sounds like to me? Sounds like he is a person. That sounds to me like he's not some sort of impersonal force. He isn't a commodity or a, 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 a something to be bought or to be traded. He is a person. And Jesus talks about him over and over. And when he talks about the Holy Spirit, Jesus always refers to him as he. 
Let me show you what I mean. In John chapter 14, we were reading from this same passage earlier. We didn't get to this point, but verse 26 of John chapter 14, verse 26, here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. He... Jesus didn't actually even need to use any personal pronoun there. He could have just said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. But he didn't. He actually does this three separate times for the disciples. In fact, it's, it's more obvious in the Greek, where the pronoun was totally unnecessary, but he's saying something, and he stops, and he really wants his disciples to get this. He says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. And this isn't just like some piece of really cute theological trivia. I think this is probably one of the most important things that we could understand from this series. That when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. And so don't refer to him as an it. Refer to him as a he He feels, he knows, he empowers, he wills, he desires, he wants, he gives. He is a person and full in his person. And as we interact with him, we are interacting with a person. And as he explains and shows himself to us, we should refer to him as he not it, and we should show him the deference that he is due. And there's a religious leader that approaches Jesus, slips away in the middle of the night, comes to Jesus. He says to Jesus, Teacher, we've been talking. There's some of us that We've gotten together, and I just want you to know that we've decided. We think you may be from God. And Jesus says to him, you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And Nicodemus goes, wait, what? This just went sideways. Okay, that makes no sense. How does that even work? This just got weird. And Jesus says this to him. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who has been born of the Spirit. The Spirit has a will. And when Jesus is saying this, he is saying it is not for you to understand fully how the Holy Spirit works. He has his own mind, and some things he will reveal to us, and some things he will not. 
and those things that you cannot understand, it's okay that you can't understand them. I used to think, as I would read this from Jesus as he's talking to Nicodemus, I used to think, man, that's a bit harsh, Jesus. Like, you're kind of handling something that's totally groundbreaking. Born again? Like, for Nicodemus to say, I don't get that. And then Jesus says to him, wait, you're a teacher. How do you not know this? I used to think, okay, that's harsh, Jesus. But I don't think he was talking about the born again part. I think what he was talking about was the fact that, listen, there are some things that you cannot know about the Holy Spirit. There are some things that are beyond your mind to grasp, and in those things, it is not for you to just just seek to understand, but instead to accept Him and believe Him by faith. So that's what it's like. Yes, this is the way it works. You must be born again. How does that work? Listen, trust. The Holy Spirit will do that inside of you. That's what Jesus is saying. And I think some of our problem as a people is that too often we work too hard to try to break things down and disenchant the world. That we work so hard to categorize and break down our understanding of who God is and what he is like and make everything fit what we want to believe or or fit into the boxes of our understanding. And sometimes we just need to step back and be in awe. About a week ago, there was a meteor shower. You had to get up in the middle of the night to see it. So we talked about it in front of the kids. Worst decision ever, because now there's no going back. Oh, we're getting up in the middle of the night, and we're going to watch the meteors come into the atmosphere. So we're sitting outside, and it's freezing cold. And as we're sitting there staring at the, the skies and the stars and the beauty of it all, every now and then a rock would come in and burn up in the atmosphere. And as I'm sitting there watching these meteorites, we can explain how all of it happens. But I think there is something to just letting go and being in wonder and in awe at God's incredible creation. I don't think they're meteorites. I think they're shooting stars. Oh God, how have you done this? How did you breathe this into being? And how is it that we can look into the sky and see your glory on display? And for me, even me, my makeup and who I am as a person, you look at me and you could, from physiology and psychology and biology and anatomy and biography, you can talk about all the different aspects of who I am, but you do not fully know who God has made me to be. And you can look and you can say, where is Alan? You will never know Alan apart from this, on this side of glory, right? You'll never know me apart from this body and this mind. You won't. But one way that you can be absolutely sure to never see me is to tear me open and try to find me on the inside. 
You cannot break it down into component parts, but instead step back and to see what God has made. He made me and breathed in me and I became something more. And you as well. And I think sometimes we work so hard to break down into component parts instead of just stepping back and recapturing the wonder and the beauty of God's creation. There's an excellent book called Recapturing the Wonder, written by a guy named Mike Cosper. Highly recommend this book. Here's what he said in it. The total knowledge of how fusion makes stars burn, how light travels through the solar system, and how the gases in our atmosphere refract and bend that light is less wonderful than beholding a sunset. A food chemist who can tell you all about what a strawberry is, how it grows, what its chemical makeup is, why the tongue tells the brain it's sweet, somehow knows less than a child who has actually tasted one. And wouldn't we all agree that the child's knowledge is superior, more useful, or at the very least more conducive to a good life? The average grandma can't tell you how much or much about amino acids and protein chains. But hours at the stove have taught her not to salt the tomato sauce until it's reduced. She can tell by the way a pork chop resists pressure from a spatula, whether or not it's done. And she knows that the acidity of limes can cut the heat in a curry. Do you want her or the chemist making your dinner? There's something to stepping back and just wondering and awing at the God of this universe. We need to recapture that wonder and awe at God. And I think we need to re-embrace the weird of our faith. Re-embrace it. Just think about Christmas. Our faith is weird. It's beyond us to understand. Why? Because the God who created the universe, the one who transcends time and space, stands on the outside of the universe, reveals himself to us, limited by time, limited by space. We cannot adequately wrap our minds around what God has done. And he reveals himself to us. And so at times that's going to look weird. And in Christmas, if you don't do it, you should every single year, as you're coming through Thanksgiving, as you're approaching Christmas, you should be praying for your children's pastor. Every single year you should pray for Pastor Caleb. Say, oh God, help him when those kids come to him and ask him, what's a virgin? And why is it a big deal that she's with child? It's weird, right? The Holy Spirit overshadows Mary, and she's going to have a child that is beyond us to understand or adequately even communicate. Jesus wants to heal somebody born blind. What does he do? He spits in the dirt, makes mud out of it, and rubs it across his eyes. 
And we could sit here and try to explain that he's taking the building blocks of life and he's re... We're just making stuff up. We don't know. All we do know is this is God and this is how he works and this is what he has done. And so we need to step back and say, God, you are wonderful. You are beyond me. I am filled with awe as I look at you. And all I can do is respond in worship to you. Don't be afraid of those things that are beyond us to understand. And if we don't, here's what will happen. We will lose the very thing that God made us for. Why do we gather? You and I here this morning, it was cold out. If you came to sing a couple of songs, you could have done that watching YouTube. And the song sung would have been produced with hundreds, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in producing one song, one video. The production quality would have been through the roof. You want to just hear somebody preach? Go on YouTube and watch it. You can go watch a TED Talk. It's all available for us. We don't need to gather like this. And yet when we do, the bride of Christ is present. And the power of the Holy Spirit is working in us. That is beyond us. We can't make that happen. All we can do is say, yes, God, I want to join in. That's the Holy Spirit at work within us. So just be filled with wonder and awe at it. I was late to service this morning. It's not the first time. First time I was late to service was my first Sunday here at Praise. First Sunday. Somebody in the church, I won't tell you who, was watching. I can't believe he's late to service. Reason why I was late was I was up at the hospital with Vic Jones, who had just died. The report came in, Vic's dead. By the end of the service, he wasn't dead anymore. God brought him back. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Want to know why I was late today? So I wanted to go over and tell the kids about something I witnessed this, this week. Got a call and was up at the hospital. Someone who had just had a stroke, completely unable to talk or move. Someone just that week had told me, I'm praying wonder. So I'm in that hospital room. And that's what I did. I said, oh God, show these nurses and doctors wonder at who you are. And I watched in 10 minutes somebody who could not move or talk or do a thing be completely brought back. That's not me. That wasn't the doctors. It wasn't the nurses. It was the power of the Holy Spirit in that room. That's how he works. And there is no response for us but wonder and awe at it. So may it create wonder in us. 
And some of these things that we want to explain and make fit into our own little boxes, sometimes we need to step back and see what people are looking for is not things that they can explain. People are looking for supernatural. They want something that's beyond them. The God of the universe who sometimes works in us in weird ways to move in their life because he's the only one who can breathe new life into them and cause them to be born again. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, we need the Holy Spirit. Whatever your background, whatever you come from, whatever experiences you've had, good, bad, ugly, I don't know. But if not for the Holy Spirit, we have no hope. We need him in our lives. So don't try to fit him into all the little boxes, but instead say, I believe, I trust, I have faith, and I come to you again saying, fill me again, oh God. Do in me what only you can do. Recapture wonder and awe at who our God is. Oh, there's more to come. There's more to come. Because as you track with the Holy Spirit through Scripture, you can see who He is and how He's moved among us. But don't move past this too quickly. The Holy Spirit is a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. And He moves and wills and desires and acts and has a mind of His own. And some of those things we don't fully understand, but we just come and believe and trust and hope and filled with wonder and awe at Him. Oh, that's so important. That's so important. I'm going to invite our worship team to come down again. That song, we weren't planning on going this direction, but that song that we sang... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just coming again. Oh God, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. This morning, I think we need to respond by just giving him the space to move in our lives. Are you willing to do that with me? Would you stand with me then? Let's come and trust him to move in us. He's God. We're not. He's above. He's unlimited. We are limited. But let's come and worship him. And be filled with awe and wonder at who our God is. In the same way he's moved in your lives in the past, he'll move again. Might not be exactly how you expect. But trust him. Come, as Jesus said to come, in faith, trusting and believing that he is good and he is faithful. Oh God, we come again. Oh God, we thank you that you are God and we are not. Some of these things are beyond us to understand. Sometimes you move in ways that we're not used to. But God, all through it, we understand that you are faithful and you are good and those things you have revealed about yourself to us belong to us. They are ours. So God, we thank you for that. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit is for us, working in us, 
and desires good things for us. Have your way in this, this morning, I pray in your precious and holy name, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship.